Hello everyone, welcome to Yoga Lands, Yoga Teacher Companion, episode number one. I am your host, Jason Crandall. Those of you that are listeners to the Yoga Land podcast, you will notice that Andrea is not here, at least not right now. She will be here, I'm sure, for plenty of episodes. Um, we are still doing the Yoga Land podcast, but we've wanted to introduce an extension of that podcast where I have the ability to really talk in a deep, more nuanced way that includes visuals about everything having to do with teaching yoga. We're gonna spend a lot of time looking at teaching techniques, conversations, expert level discussions, and there's also inevitably gonna be many opportunities where I'm giving you a little bit of insight into your own practice too. So I'm not gonna lead full on yoga practices from beginning to end here, but this is gonna be an environment where we get to really go deep uh, and unpack, I think, a lot of the things as yoga teachers that we can use support in. Like every course that I build, this Yoga Land Teacher's Companion really represents the kinds of content that I wish I had a little bit more support in myself at earlier phases of my teaching, education, and career. Those of you that are just listening, um, we have a video component to this. So you can watch that in numerous places, including our site and YouTube, but that's part of the big idea of this particular extension of Yogaland is those of you that wanna just listen because you're on the go, the way you usually listen to Yogaland, that's set up for you, absolutely. But those of you that wanna sit down and watch the visuals, Especially when we get into a little bit more postural technique, we have that available for you. What I wanna do in this episode is I really wanna look at five different simple modifications that you can experiment with in your body and of course, help your students experiment with in various backbends. But this stuff is really gonna play out, especially in bridge and upward bow. Now, not too long ago, Andrea and I had a conversation on the podcast about essentially these things, different ways of setting up the body for bridge and upward bow. But I want to like be really pinpoint and show those things. And I also want to do them myself. And, I, and I'm gonna talk you through what I'm feeling when I do these poses, these kind of various different ways. So we're gonna look at five different things. things that, three things that relate to different position of feet and legs, two things that relate to different position of the arms. So we're gonna look at taking the feet wider than hip width, mat, hip width apart. So we'll probably go about mat width. Now that first time we take the feet wider, we're not also going to turn the feet out. We're gonna keep the, the feet more or less in parallel, the thighs more or less in parallel, although they won't be completely parallel because, well, they won't be, um, but pretty close to it. Then the second time, the second thing that we're gonna look at is taking the feet wider and including a little bit of turnout to the feet. So this is probably gonna be about 15 to 20 degrees of feet turning out. The third thing that we're gonna do is we're gonna bring the feet back to parallel and we're gonna raise the heel so we'll come up onto the ball of the feet, okay? And I'll talk you through why that's particularly helpful for many students and what kinds of bodies that typically works for. It doesn't really help that much for most people in bridge, but for upward bow, it can be a huge key. And then we're gonna, with the shoulders, we're gonna look at a wider position of the hands and also turning the hands out. So we'll look at those things. Now, before we look at that, there's two things I wanna address, which is one, these are five modifications where I'm not using props. 
There's all sorts of other things we can do to support our students and our personal practice with props, but I always wanna make sure that we get the low-hanging fruit first, the stuff that doesn't require some more complicated setup. And I think that what you're gonna find is you can really support a lot of your students if you know these five different setups and you can help your students experiment with them. Um, the other thing that I wanna say is taking the feet wider than hip width apart and also turning the feet out is as safe and as mechanically sound as not. I, can, I promise you, there are so many things that I taught that I no longer teach. Um, I don't have a problem with the feet being hip width apart and parallel. That works for a lot of body types, especially people who have flexible quads and hip flexors. But the reality is there is no mechanical rationale, everyone. There just isn't why taking the feet wider and turning them out is more dangerous. What, those, what we often confuse is muscular engagement and lumbar compression, but these are not often the same thing. So we have a longer breakdown in the Yoga Land podcast about this, but what I just wanna say right now is I wouldn't show you any setup that wasn't viable, okay? I just wouldn't. Um, but most importantly, what I want you to do in your practice or what I really encourage you to do in your practice and teaching is See all five of these things that I'm about to show as options. They're options. My goal is not for you to do Ordvidanya Asana or bridge pose in a different way. I'm not trying to force a circle into a square. That's actually when you get when you get injuries, is when you're trying to force something that doesn't actually work. So what we're gonna look at is we're just gonna look at these various options and as a practice of self-inquiry, I would encourage you just to kind of get a feel for these feel what they feel like, and then select the combinations that work best for you, and then pass that on to your students. Have them experiment and select what works best for them. So without further ado, I'm gonna lay back, and I'm gonna do a really standard bridge pose, okay? So I'm gonna take my heels almost to my sitting bones. By the way, when I'm in bridge or Urvadhanyarasana, usually I want the shin bone to be vertical. That's not a safety issue, it's an efficiency issue. So I'm taking my feet, my feet are parallel to each other. My thighs are parallel to each other. I'm not talking about the rotation of the femurs and pelvis. We'll do this in another episode. But so right now, I'm just gonna come into straight up bridge pose, okay? So I'm coming into bridge. You can do really anything to set up with your arms. My feet are hip width. My feet are parallel to each other. My thighs are hip width. My thighs are parallel to each other. And it is completely fine. But to be honest with you, that's all it is it's completely fine. Um, I'd prefer more than fine. So now what I'm gonna do is the first experiment, which is I'm gonna take my feet wider. So I'm not turning the feet out, okay? And when I do turn the feet out later, you'll see it's just a little turnout, okay? So now I've taken the feet wider, and by taking the feet wider, so my feet are on the sides of the yoga mat, okay? That's kind of how I know they're mostly parallel to each other. So my feet are on the side of the mat, and now if you're watching, and you were just kind of paying attention, what you just saw is now the whole bridge expanded significantly, right? So what's, so what's going on there, right? What, why does taking the feet wider than hip width apart give some people a mechanical advantage? Because that's what's happening here. I just got a mechanical advantage by taking the feet wider. 
Taking the feet wider, what that does is really twofold often. Number one, it slightly decreases the amount of resistance that your quads and hip flexors give to the pose. So when I take my feet wider, that's separating my thigh bones. So my right hip flexors and quads, my left hip flexors and quads, because they're further apart from each other, they're not reinforcing each other. They're not reinforcing each other's tightness. The other thing is with that slightly wider angle, there's just a lower net amount of resistance to my hips moving into extension. The other thing, by taking the feet wider, for me and for many people, it's easier to engage the hamstrings and the glutes. Now, hamstrings and glutes are extensors. They're hip extensors. They do other things, but their dominant action is hip extension. And I promise you, when you do a back bend, you are extending your hips. So it is only sensible and rational to engage your hip extensors. Okay, so now what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna start the same way, but I'm gonna add that second thing, which is once I take my feet wider, okay? So I'm coming into bridge, right? And again, you can just listen, but if you can see this, this is, can be a little bit more helpful. So I'm in bridge, very conventional setup, it's fine. There's nothing wrong with it, but it's only fine. So now I take my feet wider, about as wide as the mat, and then ever so slightly I turn the feet out, okay? Remember, if you're watching, the ball of the foot is already wider than the heel. The ball of the foot sits more broadly than the heel does. So when I turn my feet out, it might look like I'm turning my feet out a ton, but I'm really not. It's just that if you're looking at the ball of the foot relative to the heel, it seems really turned out. But my feet are only about 10 or 15 degrees turned out. Now when I go there, okay, then, and I let my thighs come out a little bit, so my thighs my knees and my feet on the respective sides are staying aligned with each other. Now, as I do that, everyone, now I press the floor and I have so much more access to the musculature on my backside. Okay, so come all the way down. Okay, it's so in my habit that I say come all the way down, right? It's because I was in the pose. So now, everyone, what that does is by turning the feet out a little bit more, that further decreases the amount of resistance my quads and hip flexors are giving me, and it further increases the muscular engagement on the backside. So here's where that tends to work. That tends to work for bodies that wider and turn out, it tends to work for bodies with certain knee conditions, but that's another conversation. But it also tends to work for bodies that are tight in the quads, tight in the hip flexors, and not super strong in the butt and the hamstrings. And that is a lot of your students, I promise you. So giving that option is just going to decrease their resistance and increase their strength on their backside. Now, might they feel their muscles of their back work more? Yes, you're increasing the tonality of the back body. That's mostly a good thing for most people, so experiment with it and see what you think. Third option, I'm keeping the feet hip width apart, and this isn't gonna really do anything for bridge, but for Ordva Dhanurasana, this is huge, and this is always how I do it. So for Urdhva Dhanurasana, I like to take the feet about hip width apart, maybe a little bit wider. And then if you're watching, you're gonna see that when I lift my heels, my thighs and my hips also lift, which allow me to expand my chest more. 
okay? So instead of keeping the heels down, raising the ball of the feet. This is not an unstable way of working the pose. But what that does, and the reason it's so helpful for some in Urdhva wheel, upward bow, it has a lot of different names. The reason that that's so helpful is when you raise the heel, you get about that much more height in the pose. So your pelvis and your thighs raise higher because you've lifted your heels, you've elevated your base. So that's taking the pelvis and the thighs higher up, which doesn't really matter for the pelvis and thighs, but it gives you that much more space to expand your thoracic spine and get into the shoulders. A lot of the people in Urdhva Dhanurasana that seem really tight in their shoulders, they're not. Some are. But a lot of people aren't. They're just not even getting to the shoulders because the hips and the thighs are so low in the pose because the quads and the hip flexors are tight. This gives you a little bit of a bypass, okay? So I would love for you to just literally don't be too uh, intellectually rigid or partisan about this, experiment with these things. See how they actually feel in your body. Now really quick, I'm gonna show two more setups. I'll do it at once just for time constraints, but I'm gonna show two setups, everyone, for Urdhva Dhanurasana that follow pretty much the same logic. Okay, so for Urdhva Dhanurasana, we'll usually set up with the fingertips in line with the shoulders, kind of underneath the shoulders, facing the shoulders, and shoulder width apart. But what I'm gonna do, those of you that are, can see this, is I'm gonna come to the top of my head and then as soon as I get to the top of my head, I'm taking my hands as wide as the yoga mat, okay? So that's option one, is I'm just going wider. And then option two, which is a bit more extreme, I'm turning the hands out. So what I mean by that is my fingers are facing away from each other and the heels of my hands are facing each other. Okay? Right, so I'm not going all the way up because I'm not warmed up for backbends and I got a body to take care of. So here's the deal on that. When you take the hands wider, for a lot of people, imagine this everyone, imagine I gave you something really, really heavy to hold over your head. Do you want your hands in really close? Do you want your hands in broad? Or do you want your hands a little bit wider than shoulder width? I guess it depends on the size of the thing. But taking the hands a little bit wider than shoulder width just gives the shoulders much more room and space to operate and to move into flexion, especially for people that have tight packs, tight deltoids, tight lats. So a little bit wider, there's no mechanical disadvantage to that. There's not a rational reason to think taking the hands a little bit wider is dangerous or inefficient. It's a good option. Turning the hands out, turning the heels of the uh, fingers out, heels of the hands in, here's, here's it, totally unscientific. About half of you will love that. About 10% of you will not really find much of a difference. And then 40% of you will not like that at all. It just won't work. What that does by turning the hands out is it sets the shoulders in a slightly more externally rotated position. And for some bodies that's helpful. For some it's not, for some it's problematic, but for some it really works. So again, all of these represent options. And if we don't have options, we got a real problem, okay? So experiment with these things. I think that you'll really like it. As always, everyone, the sponsor of these podcasts is me. It's me. It's Andrea. It's us. Okay. We're our sponsors. So if you like this and it works for you, follow us, 
uh, subscribe, do all that stuff. You know the drill, everyone. If you want to train with me more, just go to jasonyoga.com. Otherwise, enjoy these and um, look forward to seeing you in the next episode. Take care, everyone.